you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. And I want to start by asking you a question, and this is a serious question, so you don't have to answer it out loud, but I do want you to think about the answer and then just answer it to yourself. Does your gospel have a gap in it? Now, if you don't know what the word gospel means, it just simply means good news that Jesus has done everything necessary for your sins to be forgiven. But when I use the phrase gap, this isn't my phrase. This actually comes from a Christian pastor and author, a guy by the name of Paul Tripp. And here's what Paul Tripp said. Many Christians have a gap in their gospel. He said it this way. He said, we do a really good job of thinking about salvation past or your gospel in the past. And that is when your sins were forgiven by Jesus. You know, back there when you, when Jesus saved you and you became a Christian. And Paul Tripp says, we do a really good job with salvation present. That's the idea idea that one of these days I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. And then here's what he says. And I, I tend to think that he's right because... I sometimes do this. He says, we forget. We have a huge, massive hole right in the middle of our gospel story, and it's the gospel present, salvation present. And here's how Paul Tripp says it. He says, it's reminding ourselves that what Jesus did for us called us out of sin and into a relationship with him, that we have a new identity and we call ourselves sons and daughters of the most high God. But not just that, he meets us and changes us and gives us everything that we need right here, right now. This is what we mean by a gap in your gospel and the gap is salvation present. And today what you get a chance to see from the Bible, from John chapter four, is this beautiful example, maybe one of the most powerful examples in the entire New Testament of salvation present, the person who's been radically changed by Jesus and just wants everybody to know it. Now, I want to catch you up. Maybe you're tuning in for the first time. Maybe you're joining us in this room for the first time. We're studying through the book of John in the New Testament. We spent a couple of weeks looking, about, looking at John chapter 3. It's the story of a very, very religious man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus has a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus tells Nicodemus, Hey, buddy, you can't be religious enough. Jeff's words, not Jesus. You can't be religious enough to get into heaven on your own good works. You have to be born again. Boom, mind bomb. Because this blows Nicodemus' mind. He doesn't understand what it means to be born again. This guy in John chapter 3 is about as religious and as holy, air quotes, as you can get in the Bible. Now skip over one chapter and go to John chapter 4. And let me tell you what you're going to see in John chapter 4. Last week, we looked at this promiscuous woman at the well who was, her sin was so notorious that everybody in town knew it and she had to show up at the well at a time of day when nobody else wanted to be there. You have these two extreme examples in two chapters in John. One really, really holy man, one really, really unholy woman. Jesus tells this holy man, I can set you free, but it only comes by being born again, not by being religious. 
he looks at this unholy woman and says, I'll set you free. And it doesn't matter how bad you've been. I can set you free from your past. Y'all, are, are you hearing what I'm saying? What the book of John is describing, what Jesus is describing for us today, I'm going to put it on the screens in one sentence so you can't miss it from the Bible today. Jesus is going to tell us how to turn your past mistakes, and we all have them, how to turn those past mistakes into a powerful story, into a story about God and how much he loves you and how far he was willing to go to step in and to rescue you from your sin. And newsflash, I've made some pretty big mistakes in my past, but I don't worry about those mistakes anymore. I am far from perfect, but I don't struggle with my past anymore. And let me tell you why. Because Jesus Christ has totally and completely paid for those past mistakes. And so I don't have to wonder what other people think about me. Did you hear what I just said? I don't have to worry what other people think about me because I know what the God of the universe thinks about me. And when he thinks uh, that I am pure, that I am perfect, not because of anything Jeff has done, but because of what Jesus has done for me, when that's how God sees me, I don't care what other people think about me. So I just want to try to help you become free from your past today. And I know countless Christians that are still wrestling with a thing that they did or a shame that they're still carrying with them even after this radical born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me just tell you how to do this today. Here's step one. Just let them talk. Now, y'all, I'm being serious right now for a second. How many of you in this room have had somebody say something bad about you? Go ahead and raise your hands up high. No, 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 raise them up high. If you're in your living room, raise your hand up high. Keep them up. Now, how many of you have had somebody say something bad about you? Keep your hands up, and you didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything wrong. Look, if you were in this room, you would see almost every hand in this room with people doing something, saying something. They posted something on social media about you, and you didn't do anything wrong. You don't deserve what people are saying about you, but they're talking bad about you anyway. And I want you to stop worrying about what others think. Don't concern yourself with the gospel or the gossip. Just let them talk. Here's what the Bible says. I'm going to put it on the screens. We're going to start in John chapter 4 in verse 27. And I want you to hear what the Bible says about this woman at the well after she is radically changed by King Jesus. John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 27. By the way, I'll make it easy for you. If you got the app, just click the button that shows today's sermon and it's all in there. John chapter 4, verse 27 says this. Just then, after Jesus got done explaining to this woman that he is the Messiah, and I told you last week, I'm going to tell you today why her. Why is she the first person recorded in the book of John that Jesus tells who he really is to? Just after he does that, just then, Jesus' disciples arrive, and they were amazed that he, Jesus, was talking with this promiscuous, sinful woman. Yet no one said 
what do you want or why are you talking with her? Now, I want to unpack this verse a little bit because this verse is going to set up the, the, the rest of the story from John chapter 4. Jesus, at this point, is considered a rabbi. You realize that in Jesus' day, rabbis didn't talk to women in, in public. Check this out, husbands. Rabbis didn't even talk to their own wives in public in Jesus' day. And Jesus is not just having a conversation, but he's having a conversation with, listen exactly how it's worded in, chapter, in verse 27, with a woman. And when the disciples show up, they're freaking out about this. They're astonished is what the, the verse says. And I kind of think, in fact, I don't think, I'm certain that what's going on in their heads, the Bible doesn't record this for us, but I'm certain what's going on in their heads is that the disciples, check this out, are a little bit embarrassed at Jesus right now. Like, hey, Jesus, what are you doing, man? Rabbis don't talk to women. They certainly don't talk to women like this. Jesus, do you know what people are going to say about you when they find out you had this conversation? Jesus, do you know what people are going to say about us? We're your followers. We kind of just left our nets and our businesses to go follow you. Do you know what's going to happen when word gets back that I went to Samaria with you, these hated people from another race? Do you know what people are going to say about me? Wait till they find out that I was with you when you were talking to this notorious town center. Do you know what they're going to say about me, Jesus? And apparently, Jesus doesn't care what they're going to say about him. Apparently, he doesn't care what the disciples are going to say about him. And I'm asking you to learn a lesson from Jesus. People are going to talk. They're going to gossip. They're going to say some stuff about you that isn't true. And I'm telling you, just let them talk. And y'all, this is as hard for me as it is for you. You know, there's a rumor circulating around in our community that I got fired from the last church that I was in. And let me just tell you a little bit about my personality. If this was 200 years ago and that rumor was circulating around about me and I lived 200 years ago, you and I would go outside and we would duel to the death over a rumor like that because it's not true. And I've had to struggle with that because I want to stand up and I want to defend myself. But here's something that the Lord has been teaching me lately. Jeff, just don't worry about it. He's actually showed me, Jeff, you left the door wide open for people to say stuff like that. But don't worry about what people think about you. Jeff, don't worry about what anybody else thinks about you. The only one that matters is what I think about you. Did you hear what I just said? What God is saying is, it doesn't matter how much bad stuff they say about you. Let them talk. But maybe you struggle with pleasing people. Maybe your challenge is the other side of the equation. It doesn't matter how much good stuff people say about you. Just let them talk. They don't know you. The God who created you and called you into a relationship knows you. And what he thinks about you and only what he thinks about you matters. So this week, when they say stuff about you, just let them talk and not even worry about it. That's the first step in becoming free from your past. And I want to tell you how the story picks up next. Because what we learn from this woman, what we learn from Jesus today is 
how not to be embarrassed by your past. And this is hard for any of us who've made some really, really big mistakes in the past. So hard that I need you to humor me for just a second. I need you to repeat a few things out loud. I mean this. In your living room, I want you to say this out loud like you mean it. In this room, I want you to say these words out loud. I have been born again. Keep going. I have been made new. So the junk that I did in my past doesn't matter anymore. Say it out loud. Yeah, you guys are pretty good with that. I want you to know that if you really have been made new, then what you've done in your past doesn't really chase you into the present, doesn't follow you into the future. You got nothing to be embarrassed about. And this woman is perhaps the greatest example, I'm not exaggerating right now, in the entire Bible about this principle right here. Because I want you to see what she does next when this sinks in and she realizes, hey, wait a second, I just got set free from my wicked past. Listen to what she does next, starting in verse 28. Then the woman left her water jar and went to town and told the people. I'm going to pause for just a second while this is still on the screens. The word then is very specific. Apparently, this incident the conversation between Jesus and the disciples, or I mean Jesus and this woman, apparently it kept going until the disciples showed up. I'm convinced when the disciples showed up, Jesus affirmed this woman in front of these disciples. Maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, but I guarantee you it means something to her because she's been looked down on and she's been disrespected by everybody in her community. And now Jesus is looking at her in front of his disciples and calling this woman his child. And she's so fired up about it that she drops everything after the disciples show up. She leaves her water jar, which tells us this is really urgent, and she rushes back to town. I kind of think this is the moment where Jesus gets a jar of water or a drink of water. Like he showed up at the well saying, hey, can I get something to drink? And instead of giving him a drink, she starts having a real religious conversation with him. And Jesus is like, well, now I can get something to drink at least. She drops everything. And she runs back to town. And the first thing that she does, these words in the original language are a plea to her neighbors. She's begging her friends to hear, listen to this. She runs back to town and she told the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever did, I ever did. This woman is known in town as a notorious sinner and she's running back and telling everybody, hey, you know how much of a sinner I am, right? Well, this guy at the well knows how much of a sinner I am and I want you to come out and meet them. She's not embarrassed anymore about her past. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And this woman has changed so much in one incident. And look at what the town people do next. They left the town and they made their way to Jesus at the well. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, 
could someone have brought him something to eat? Did he get a ham sandwich while we were gone? Jesus says, no, my food is to do the will of him, the Father, who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus told them, don't you say that there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? And now he's going to use an analogy about the urgency of telling people about your faith. When Jesus uses the word listen, you and I are supposed to sit up on the edge of our seat and pay close attention to what happens next. Listen to what I'm telling you, Jesus says. Open your eyes and look at the fields. By the way, we're not talking about fruit or grain now. We're talking about people. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they're ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. That's how we know we're not talking about plants now. They're gathering the fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. People have been talking to you and trying to convince you about Jesus. And then one day it makes sense. One day somebody helps put it all together for you. And the person that helped put it all together, they can't take credit for that because there have been others who have tried to help you understand how much of a difference Jesus could make in your past. When the people of the town heard this woman and when they saw her, wait a second, she's not embarrassed anymore. She's not ashamed anymore. When they saw her, they were so moved that the Bible tells us they left what they were doing. They left town and they made their way to Jesus. And they went to, went to go see for themselves because this woman was pleading and begging with them to go, get, go meet the man. I'm going to say it one more time for you because it's so beautiful in this chapter. Go see the man who told me every sin that I've ever done. And I am not at all ashamed and not at all embarrassed because he's also taken away every mistake and cleaned up every sin that I've ever committed. So I got nothing to be embarrassed about. Basically what this woman is saying is I'm a whole new man. I'm a whole new woman. You ever been out working in the fields? Maybe you're working in the garden. Maybe you're doing some yard work and you're digging in the dirt and you're sweating all day long. And when you get done working in the yard, when you get done, you first jump in the shower and you wash all of that sweat and all of that dirt off of you. And when you come out of the shower, it's only natural to say, I feel like a... Yeah, a whole new person. I feel like a completely new person. That's just simply washing some dirt and washing a little bit of sweat off of you. What you're reading in the Bible is literally a new person. Somebody who has been born again and made new. Except for Jesus didn't wash sweat and dirt off of this woman. He washed sin and mistakes and failures off of her. And I need you to understand, Two Cities Church, that you have been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no sin that is so wicked that that blood cannot make you into a whole new person. So why are you carrying the shame and the embarrassment about that sin when he's already set you free? Why are you worried about what people are going to say? Why are you letting it hang over you like a dark cloud? when he has already set you free. 
If you are born again, you are a whole new person. And you got nothing to be embarrassed about. So just let them talk. And third, and finally, when you've been made new by the Lord Jesus Christ, hear what I'm going to say next. Nothing is holding you back anymore. And a few of you in this room missed an awesome opportunity to say amen or hallelujah. Nothing is holding you back anymore. Come on, I'm basically begging you guys. Nothing is holding you back anymore. Thank you. Most of us, this is me, are our own worst critics. We remember the stuff that we did probably better than anybody else remembers the stuff that we did. And this woman is embarrassed. She's so ashamed that she can't go to the well in the cool of the day when all of the other women go to the well. I got to go in the hardest part of the day when I'm dirty and sweaty because of my wicked, sinful past. And now she's just throwing her past out there for everybody to see because her past is now a beautiful, powerful story about God's love. Let's hear what happens to people in town. When they meet Jesus, after the woman who was the most notorious sinner in town tells them, come see the man. I'm begging you, come see the man who told me every sin that I've ever committed. Let's see what they do next, starting in verse 39. It says, now many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything that I ever did. I'll tell you about my sin. He told me all about my sin and I'm not ashamed and I'm not embarrassed about it anymore. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, apparently they met him at the well. When they came to him, they asked Jesus to stay with them. And the Bible says Jesus didn't hang out for an hour or two. No, he set up camp and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of what he Jesus said and they told the woman we no longer believe because of what you said since we have heard for ourselves and know that he really is would you look at this phrase at the screen on the screen right now or in your Bible what they're saying is he's not just the savior of the Jews he's the savior of the world What they just realized is he's not just the savior of Israel, but he's the savior of Samaria too, or of Liberia, or Australia, or the Philippines, or Germany, or South Africa. He is the savior of all people who will run to him with nothing but dirt and mistakes and failures. And he cleans you up and he makes you into somebody who is new I promised you at the end of last week's service, I'll tell you why this woman is the first person that Jesus boldly, clearly declared, I am the son of God. You're looking at him. It's because by changing her, when she gets back to town, everybody in town says, wait a second, if he can do that for her, I know he can do that for me too. And not only does Jesus hang around at the well for an hour or two, again, the disciples are ashamed. They're concerned that he's in Samaria. What are people going to say about us? He doesn't stay there for an hour or two. He stays there for two more days. And many in this town believe. And they believe because they come there and they see him with their eyes and they hear him with their ears. 
And now this is no longer a gap in their gospel. God is one day going to send a Messiah. He'll rescue us. That rescue may be in heaven one day, totally and completely, when we're made perfect and no longer capable of sinning anymore. No, now they experience it right now in the present when they stand in his midst. And they are made clean. They're made new because they've heard for themselves. He really is the savior of the world. Because if he can clean this woman up, then he can clean me up. And I'm telling you, then he can clean you up too. I want to end this sermon today with a story about Mike. And I don't think Mike would mind me telling you. Mike molested his own daughter. He was tried, convicted, and went to prison for molesting his daughter. And Mike, after released from prison, doesn't hide. He doesn't broadcast to everybody, but he doesn't hide the fact when people ask him, are you the guy that I read about in the news? He looks at them and he says, yeah, I am. The reason why Mike can look people in the eyes without hanging his head in shame and tell them, yes, I'm the guy you read about in the newspapers because the media coverage was all over this trial. It's because while he was in prison, Mike was radically and totally changed. And when Mike got out of prison, he wanted people to know what Jesus could do for them. So Mike started rolling up his sleeves and helping people like him that were sent to prison for sexual crimes. You know, when they were being released from prison, after they'd served their time, they needed, many of them needed a place to go because their families turned their back on them. They couldn't get a job. Nobody wanted to hire them because they're on the national sex registry, sex offender registry list. So Mike helped start a ministry to give people a temporary place to live. This is only for Christians who have been born again, who admit their mistakes and who say, I'm not ever gonna do what, uh, that again. And Mike helps them get a place to live. They stay there temporarily. They get their feet underneath them and then helps them find a job, get a pair of clothes, find a place to live and to move out on their own. These are in the United States, the modern version of social leprosy. In Jesus's day, lepers had to live outside the city and they had to tell everybody who came by, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. In our day, it's this category of people. And Mike took his terrible mistake, his great sin, and turned it into a ministry and if you ask him, he doesn't offer it, but if you ask him, are you the guy who I read about or saw in the, the news reports? He will tell you, yeah, I'm that guy. And Jesus changed me so much that I wanna make a difference for the rest of my life. Mike has taken his greatest sin. He's turned it into a powerful story of God's love. And I'm telling you, if Jesus can do this for that woman at the well, if he can do this for Mike, he can do this for you too. So what I want to do is place a couple of challenges in front of you. We call them next steps around here. I just knocked my microphone all over the place. Next step number one, maybe you are watching this broadcast and maybe you're realizing right now that I need to be born again. Do you know when those people from town heard this woman's story? 
They didn't believe just because of her. They went out and they saw Jesus with their own eyes and they heard him with their own ears. Look up here for just a second. The Bible is making this abundantly clear. No one gets into heaven on borrowed faith. You don't get in there on your mama and daddy or on somebody else's faith. You have to come to him and you have to believe in him personally. It is only by being born again that a man or a woman's soul can be set free. And in just a second, I'm going to pray that maybe somebody in this room or maybe somebody who's watching this online, their soul will be set free today because they will just cry out a prayer of faith, asking God to change them. But for us Christians in this room, maybe you're like me. And maybe you struggle with what people say about you with the gossip and all of the criticism. And maybe what you need today is for the Holy Spirit to set you free all over again. He set you free one time when he freed you from your sin. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to set you free from your past because you're carrying that junk around you in the future. And if you were to ask God about that sin, he would say, quite literally, the book of Hebrews uses this language vividly. I don't remember what you're talking about because I chose to forget it. Why are you still hanging on to it? So maybe what you just need is to be set free for the first time. Or maybe you need the Holy Spirit to set you free all over again. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you, would you just get serious with Jesus right now? Would you bow? And this is a prayer over you. But maybe you need to pray something similar to these words in your own heart. I'm going to speak first to those that call themselves Christians. God, you and you alone can set me free, can set a man or a woman free from their mistakes and their failures. And Father, what we see in the Bible today in this woman at the well, when she runs back to her town, she wants everybody to know what she's done and how Jesus is big enough to forgive her for it. And if he's big enough to forgive her, then he's certainly big enough to forgive anybody who's watching this broadcast right now. So I'm praying for my brothers and sisters, those who are your children, who have been bought by your blood, who have been made into a whole new man or a whole new woman. God, if they're still struggling, trying to please people with their good deeds, would you help them to just put off that oppressive burden of trying to be a good girl or a good boy? And remember, the only person that matters, the only opinion that matters is yours. Maybe they've got some junk that they've done in their past. And you have forgiven them for it, but they are struggling forgiving themselves. Father, would you help them right now to lay that sin on your altar and to believe that Jesus' blood has cleaned them from that sin and to get up tomorrow and ask the Holy Spirit to help them live free from their past. God, would you do that in the hearts of your people right now? Father, you know I've been praying today that you would cause somebody to tune in to this broadcast who doesn't have that freedom because they've never been born again. And maybe this is the moment that you're asking them to step across the line. Maybe your spirit is poking them in the chest and saying, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. And what they need to do is cry out to you a prayer of faith. 
A prayer that says, God, I am a sinner. There's nothing that I could do to make those mistakes go away. I can't be religious enough. Nicodemus' story is proof of that. I can't be holy or religious enough to make my sins go away. No, God, what I need is for you to do a miracle. I need you to do the miracle of new birth in my heart. God, would you take my mistakes would you take my failures and my sins and would you cast them away as far as the east is from the west? Would you clean me up? Would you turn me into a new man or a new woman right now? Would you do for me what I can't do for myself? And Father, I believe that you're a good God who hears from heaven. And if those prayers are coming to you from a sincere heart, I believe that you hear it that you honor it, and that you and you alone will radically and totally change somebody. And so I'm asking you that you would do that for the first time, or maybe you could do that all over again for a Christian right now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.